This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles, if you're into nerd culture, if you're into science sports memorabilia, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, please visit firstrow.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20 to receive 20% off. They got everything from comic books to science sports memorabilia. Best thing is they ship worldwide. Even better, they update daily. So please visit them at firstrow.ca. If you're into video games and books, please visit bossfightbooks.com for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like Galaga, Metal Gear Solid, World of Warcraft and so many others. Everything you see on their website is available in paperback and ebook format. So please check them out at bossfightbooks.com. If you're looking for the best supplements and CBD products, visit LegacySubs.com. Use promo code THEPODCAST to receive 10% off. They got everything from sleep aid to muscle building. Anything that makes you feel great and makes you look better, it is there. They are Legacy Sports Nutrition at LegacySubs.com. And if you want to support me directly, you can visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device. It's better right there in the description. Click on that link. takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts to travel mugs, phone cases, anything you need or want. It is literally there. But the easiest thing, the freest thing, the most important thing to do to support the show is rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms, most specifically Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest is a professional wrestler who has wrestled in such promotions as TNA, WWE, ROH, and NWA. You can also catch him on AWTV providing commentary for Ring of Honor. The ageless one himself, Caprice Coleman. Man, that was a pretty cool introduction. I appreciate that, and I am happy to be on your show. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing fantastic today, my friend. Thank you very much. So, what's going on with you, World of Wrestling? It's crazy times. Everyone knows top to bottom and pretty much every promotion. So, what's been keeping you grounded? What's going on with you recently, my friend? Oh, man, trying to stay busy. We got NWA. Uh, we got Hard Times 3 coming up. That's we right. got uh, AEW running with Ring of Honor. Chris Jericho, our new champion. Uh, <laughs> the Ring of Honor faithfuls aren't happy about that, but it is what it is. 
and then Ring of Honor is looking to get its new show whenever that happens, but we do know it will happen. Uh, other than that, man, it's just day by day. Okay, before we get into anything, we got to know, so people who don't know you or who don't really follow wrestling on a regular, how did you get into the business of wrestling, and were you a fan before you got in? I was definitely a fan. I've been a fan since I was three years old. First started watching wrestling when I was three. Turned on TV, saw Dusty Rhodes. Nice. I was hooking fence. Um, I wrestled all the way through school, all the way through high school, okay. and then in college, I, um, I started training for pro wrestling, I was trained by Matt Hardy, Matt and Jeff Hardy, and uh, they had a training school um, outside of the county where I lived, and um, I would go there every week and train. Started out as a referee, oh. until I put some weight on, and then okay. after I put some weight on, I started wrestling. Uh, you know, the indie stuff and all, and got sure. pretty big. The promotion was called Omega, mm-hmm. and Matt and Jeff got signed to WWE, and all of us kind of just kind of uh, found our way different places. I went to NWA Wild Side and different places, but that was kind of my mainstay, and it allowed me uh, a look at other places. So through NWA Wild Side, I was able to go to TNA, WWE, uh, Ring of Honor, and all. I stayed. That was my mainstay, Christian Wrestling Federation. And mm-hmm. then I uh, went overseas in 2009, worked, did some military contract work in Kuwait, oh, wow. and uh, started tried to start my own wrestling promotion there wrestling was illegal there but there was somebody else trying to do the same thing that had more stroke than i did okay so started working with them and uh so now i also wrestle for the qatar pro wrestling organization in qatar and basically that part of the world Mm -hmm. um and so uh between between all of that um came back into the country in 2009 uh wrestling with promotion started back at NWA wild side and then ring of honor called me told me they were going to do a looking to hire some full-time wrestlers that was getting ready to get a tv deal mm. got hired in 2011 then with them ever since and then 2000 i guess uh 21 the phone call happened when you know after the pandemic they had taken care of us during the pandemic and then mm. Uh, the pandemic didn't pan out the way we thought it would. Sure, uh, everybody got laid off at the end of that year, unless their contract kind of brought them over until March. And then uh, in April, we were, it was supposed to be a hiatus to open up back in April. Uh, but the last week in March, we were bought out by Tony Khan, AEW, uh, which could have just bought the library and left us alone. But right. he envisions a ring of honor of his own and um he's been bringing my broadcast partner and i in for different um spots and trying to keep the brand alive uh on his tv uh product and um they've been welcoming us in with open arms and being very hospitable to us and um we're just seeing what happens after that yeah no kidding and i'm sure we're going to touch a lot of ring of honor and AEW because that's what's currently going on but okay let's rewind here i had no idea you were an amateur wrestler so okay how about this question to throw it out there do you think you would have gone into the route of mixed martial arts if it was more popular back then versus like now instead of going into pro wrestling uh i don't know i do know that um when i was training for wrestling um I, i'm 27 years in this sport now exactly but I want to say in 2000, 
2003, 2000, around that area, MMA was really picking up now. And I did start training in MMA. I'm a oh. uh, blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Nice. Um, fell in love with it. Um, never competed because I was also working in public schools at that time. Gotcha. And didn't, uh, even though I was really, I was at pretty much at the top of my class, respectively, not trying to toot a horn or whatever. It was just <laughs> uh, a lot of the guys that were going out competing regularly, you know, in class, I could, I could beat them. But we weren't throwing strikes in class, so strike wise, sure. they might have won. I don't know, but they would come back with black eyes, broken noses, and <laughs> stuff like that. And right. and I was advised that it would be not, it would not be smart for me to be working in the school system, coming back with black eyes, broken noses, and stuff like that, because I did of not course. think I was untouchable. So I never competed in MMA. I just continued to wrestle, pro wrestling, right, right. and that's what happened. Oh my! So are you a fan of like the current product of MMA? I do, I do, I respect it. I don't keep up with it as oh, much okay. as I should. Um, but like, I I watch a pay per view here and there. I was heavily into it at one time, um, but then the, I guess the guys that I was really following are now the veterans now that people bring in to, to beat to be the new guy type. Right. Uh, I was big on like Spider. Uh, what's his name? Um, Anderson Silva. And I was big on Anderson Silva and. Uh, I like the guy that beat him. So I guess the guy that starts with the N. Uh, 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 Weidman? No. A recent, a recent win he had uh, against uh, Anderson Silva. He's an African guy. Um, Was it Stylebender? The, the Airbender, the Sky, the Airbender or something. Stylebender. Yeah, he he's uh, I like him because uh, he's a smart guy, man. He. He does MMA. He can also commentate too. He's a, he's a very That's articulate uh, man, and I appreciate that in any athlete because uh, I believe you know when you cross that realm into being an athlete, and you can also commentate, or you can also write or produce, um, it, it takes the, the stick out of you know us just being horses. You know what I mean? Sure. And so uh, it's just another respect level. So I definitely respect. Is it Anasanja or um, anyway? Yeah. Airbender, and uh, have a lot of respect for him. Now, as a wrestler yourself, because we see it a lot now, especially nowadays, now that UFC and just MMA in general is very popular, do you appreciate and enjoy when mixed martial artists come over and step into a wrestling ring, or are you one of those guys that are just purists, stay in yours lane, I stay in mine? No, man, I think wrestling um, has shown, you know, in the past, man, you have a lot of football players that transition and try to get into it. You have boxers that try to get into it, and and one of my good friends, um, Josh Woods, it was one that you know, he was a part of MMA and crossed over. My only thing with, with the crossover of people is if they come, if they cross over and want to actually learn mm. the sport, gotcha. I'm definitely for it. But if they cross over and and they and they don't want to learn anything, they're just kind of hard to deal with, and they kind of have that mentality of, you know, I could really beat anybody here type thing they don't know who knows what you know and i'm one of those guys that like i don't say anything you know um but like if i'm ever put in a situation i could definitely take care of myself you You know there's there's a there's a few (laughs) of us in there so so those guys don't really last long but there there are some that come in there with the mentality of oh these guys don't know anything or whatever and i'm just gonna come in here and do what i do until they get in the ring with the right one and then they realize, oh, shoot, either I'm going to learn this thing or I'm going to leave because nobody walks around. I'm the type of person, man, I, if you walk around showing me what you have, 
I'm you show them, you already showed me your hand. Like you know what I mean? Yep, makes sense. Uh, so it's like if you're an MMA guy, okay, well, why would I go MMA against you? I can box, I can karate, I can wrestle, I can legit <laughs> wrestle. Like, so you just basically showed me your hand, you know, and so I just kind of just let it go, whatever, like that, and wait for the right opportunity. If that person, you know, isn't, you know, cooperative or uh, wanting to, you know, take the time to try to learn the aspects of the sport. And then they won't really be successful at it, to be honest. Because a lot of times, you know, those people they come in, and they think because of because of their background, yep. uh, the wrestling crowd is automatically going to draw to them, and mm-hmm. it's not necessarily so. Because like, if you don't have the entertainment value, the the charisma, you know, the the thing that draws people, then you know, you get a silent crowd, and nobody wants to book that, you know. No, it's so true, and it it goes even both ways. Like, and I totally agree. As a fan, you could also tell. Like, to me, the one that always stands out because he was the first big one that everyone knew about was Ken Shamrock. I think he became yeah. even more popular as a wrestler yeah. than he was a mixed martial artist. And yeah. look what he put into. Still to this age, man showed up on Impact like a few uh, months ago and all that, and it's like he's still doing it. He's like, and he loves the sport, <laughs> you, and and you could tell he wants to give back and stuff. But even the other way around, when you see pro wrestlers going into the world of mixed martial arts for the first time. You yeah. have people who could succeed and people who cannot. Yeah. Obviously, we know who's who. We don't need to name names. But yeah. and, and then even in the MMA world, when boxers come in and be like, oh, I could just knock you out. I don't need to take you down. Yeah. And then they eat a humble piece of pie. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's And it's, as long as, to me, it's true. As long as you put in the work and you want to succeed and learn, who cares what realm you come from? If you put in the work, man, you can, you can transition to all of that stuff. Like, I mean, we could talk about Brock. We could talk about um, Bobby. You know, right. both of those guys wrestled, and and I'm proud of both of them. You know, in, in that aspect, you know, um, that they're able to transition and to get wins or whatever like that. I'm, I'm even. I can even say I'm, I'm proud of CM Punk for for, for trying. Of course, you know what I'm saying. Um, I, I think I think if he would have had a uh, a period where he wrestled guys probably lower on the card. He might have done better, but to get in as high as he got in, I mean, he got handed what he got handed. But I think that was because his popularity brought him to a place where he he wasn't trained to be at. You know what I mean? Um, and but but to have the guts, man, to get in there to right. do that live on pay per view, I, I couldn't have done that, man. That, that was freaking amazing. Um, so so yeah, man. I, but I, it, it all tolls down to the fact of having. The ability or having the, the want to 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 learn and re, be taught and always be taught and always ready to learn and to uh, transition into those type of things. Exactly. No, I totally hear you. So, okay, as what they call a seasoned vet, you've trained in a way different era than it is today. What do you notice some of the differences training back then versus today with the, I guess, the green talent has to go through? I want to say um, today is definitely a time to where if you're good, you can make it. If you're really good and you can really stand out, you can make it. Um, I grew up in a time where, you know, they, they were looking for certain people to fill certain holes. Uh-huh. And they felt like they had that hole filled. Sure. You know, you didn't fit the category no matter what. Mm-hmm. Unless, unless you were just so popular that, you know, they just had to do something with you. Right. You know, but but when I was, uh, you know, in the, in the early 2000s, late 90s, you know, it's kind of like if you didn't fit a certain role that they had already in mind uh, uh, to fill and they had certain people to fill those roles, 
once those roles were filled, it's like, oh, we already have one of those. And so it's kind of like you just didn't stand a chance. But now um, I really believe the doors are open to where if you're somebody that stands out and you're somebody that's good, someone that's willing to put the work in, the opportunities are there for you to make it. And so in that aspect, I think the, the it's changed for the better um, as far as opportunity-wise. True. Um, but then there's also uh, the aspect that there are a lot of um, the younger talent that I don't know if their drive uh, is the same because we, I think we live in a world now to where I don't if they, they give it two or three years and if they haven't made it, they're mad. You get something that's been in it two or three years and then they get on TV and then they get took off TV and they don't know what to do because they Mm. haven't put that that groundwork in, you know, to to stay around or whatever. And so that that part, I think, is is not as strong as it used to be. Um, But but the opportunity to make it is, is there, man. It's definitely there now. Yeah, it's so true. Just the promotions alone is one thing. And it's so true. Like, even as a fan myself. Who cares if they're similar gimmicks? Who cares if they're similar styles? Because when you like something, don't you want more of it? Isn't that just like common sense, in my opinion? Yeah, yeah, but like there's so many different. I mean, man, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just, it's not even just one of those. It's just, I guess mine was more, you know, in the 90s, it was more of a race thing. It was like, Gotcha. You know, they, they had their the smaller black guy and their big black guy, and once they had that, unless right. you were something way different or, like, you know, they, they are, the spot was already filled, you know what I mean? Um, but now when you turn on TV, man, you, you see black, white, purple, green, yellow, <laughs> it's everybody, but and everybody's different. And, and they're seeing that, you know, you can be a different character and, and still be, you know, a person of color or Hispanic or whatever you are and you can play roles that they only gave to certain people and everybody's getting the opportunity to show um, who they are in and out of the ring and, and people are supporting it. Um, and I think that's the main thing is the, the fact that the fans, fans are supporting everybody. Yes. And, and I pick at my son um, because he's, he's part of this generation. And I'm like, man, I said, y'all music sucks, but y'all sure love everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> So it's, it's cool. It's cool, man. To love this show for people. It's true. Um, the support. It, yeah. Pretty, yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Well, you, again, you mentioned it. Ring of Honor, a big chunk of your career. You said 2011. Weren't? You, didn't you have a little stint before that? Yeah, I was brought in time. You know, but like 2011 was when I actually got hired. Okay, gotcha. Everything before 2011 was kind of you know being brought in here, brought in there. You know. Um, we call those um, per appearance type things. No, uh, yeah, okay, that makes sense. So, okay, so since being there, start like so, we'll say 2011. What's been the biggest difference from when you started until now? Uh, the biggest difference now is that you know with Tony Khan's version of it, um, I think he 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 he's filling it with the wrestlers that that he sees really made Ring of Honor. You know, he's got like the Daniel Bryan's. The Samoa Joes, That's true. the CM, the CM Punks, I would think. <laughs> um, you know, uh, the, the the Claudio, yeah. um, these type of guys, and it's kind of like the guys that were the, I guess the the cornerstones of, of Ring of Honor uh, in in certain days at their times. Um, and then he's handpicked a few of the guys off the current roster 
you know, and so in, in a way, in his vision, Ring of Honor is, is still a big deal, but it's like, it's a conglomerate of the past and the present, mm. and finding those guys and putting them in, you know, in one um, facility um, to make it, you know, the best, I guess it could be in his eyes, and so he, he sees, uh, and he has the money to do it, I, I think sure. Ring of Honor's problem has always been money, right? you know, Yep. Having the money to to put into the athletes, to put into the program, mm-hmm. to get the TV deal to be able for the world to see us and to see our style, and for it to be you know uh, seen nationally instead of you know just locally um, or whatever. And so for him having the mind to do that and to bring that talent, those talents in, I think it's awesome. Um, I just wait for the day to where we have our own product to where you know they could bring a lot of the guys that are sitting and waiting for something to happen, you know? Um, but I, I believe that his heart is in the right place and that he definitely wants to do um, right by it. And he continues. It's like, it's not something that he drops off. He continues to talk about it, um, continues to bring it up, continues to like reach out uh, and stuff. So I think it's pretty cool. No, it is. And uh, it's so true. Ring of Honor is such an important part of the wrestling world now and history of it. Because to me, it was always either the second or the third Obviously, yeah. behind WWE ever since WCW folded. Like, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. been a yeah. constant from its independent early days to w- the New Japan era to whatever Tony Khan wants it to make it. It's a big staple. And look how many people who are Hall of Fame bound or not already should be in the Hall of Fame that came from Ring of Honor. Right. Ring of Honor has been the, 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 the foundation for right? professional wrestling Thank for, you. for yeah. 20 years. You know, when you look at, you know, the top of wrestling now, the stars... You know, yep. more than half of those stars came from <laughs> Ring of Honor, and they are using still the Ring of Honor style yep. to make it there. You know, it's just they're using it on a bigger platform, um, and so yeah, absolutely. And and it's a, it's it's not a hate thing, man. You see one of the guys make it, you, you think it's awesome, but it's also it's fun where you see these guys and and most of them coming from Ring of Honor, and then you say Ring of Honor, and like what? What's that? <laughs> you know. But it is what it is, and that's just because, like you said, it's we. I feel we're the only promotion that that had a grassroots story. Uh, I, I'll say today's world grassroots story mm-hmm. that's made it uh, and ascended mm-hmm. to where we have um, with popularity. You know, yep. uh, and and that's that's commendable. No, for sure, of course. And the one, the other thing, Ring of Honor has done so well over the years, and I'm and obviously Tony Khan's a fan of this because you you see it on AEW TV and now you're starting to see it on all the promotions tell you the truth is the return of factions like factions have always been a staple to me in the world of professional wrestling some of my favorite memories revolve around factions you've been in a few yourself during your career what's been some of your favorites of all time that you enjoyed growing up or working with throughout the years um that's a good one um I'll say I enjoyed uh the rebellion um faction that i was in the rebellion part of because of the cabinet was okay it was kind of it was quirky you know right um (laughs) it was an idea that you know the office came up with and they thought it would be edgy and and we were for it It wasn't like oh man we don't want to do that we thought okay we'll see how that goes you know (laughs) sure it just it didn't bite you know and it offended people it was kind of weird um and when we were doing it we were kind of like man this is not it (laughs) you know (laughs) And, sure. and then they allowed us to do the rebellion, and we thought the rebellion was really 
doing good and then they disbanded. Right. Um, but like, hey, you know, that's that's the office. But then they were uh, I, the undisputed era. I think um, it was a was a good well, it was a good enough faction to to leave one place and go to another and still be right. You know, so you can't really ignore that at all. You know, um, the Bullet Club. I think is a good faction because it it morphs into everything. <laughs> right. There's bullet club everywhere. There's yeah. bullet club members in AEW, in WWE, in New Japan, That's in crazy. TNA. Yeah. You know, and they can call it what they want to call it, but whatever it ends up being, it's a morph of the bullet club. So you can't like ignore that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the bullet club is definitely dope. Um I, I was definitely a Horseman fan uh, growing up, and and I was I was the guy that liked the good guys, right? But I could hate the Horsemen because it was like they, they was just this this force that that had to be reckoned with. And you could put <laughs> you could put the Road Warriors, uh, uh, the Road Warriors, Nikita Koloff, and Dusty Rose against these guys, and, right? And, and every one of them were, were way bigger than anybody they would be facing because you would be like Tully Blanchard, Arn Anderson, Ric Flair, and whoever they would. You know, con to be a horseman, Barry Windermore yeah. or somebody, exactly. and somehow they would find a way to they would find a way to win or, or, or cause damage. You know, like it was like these guys were crucial, man. Um, and so true. I definitely respect the horseman growing up. Uh, who else? Um, the thing I like about um, the New Day, uh, and I guess hear me out. The reason why I like them. As a faction, I mm-hmm. guess, is because they broke all the barriers. Uh-huh. And the reason why I say that is because you got you to gotta understand, for years, being being stuck in pigeonholed and, 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 and stereotyped into certain roles that you could only do when you have a group of guys that are like, hey, we're just like you. We can play, we play video games. We can dance. We can entertain. And, and I'm not all for the, the dance, but I'm like I'm like this. This is where I'm for. Okay. You know, there there are some guys that are like, oh man, you know, black people don't get a role unless they're dancing or shucking and jiving or whatever like that. Right. Now I'm against that if you're trying to make somebody shuck and jive that doesn't shuck and jive. Oh. But okay. you can't say there are black people that don't shuck and jive. Like you know what I'm saying? <laughs> sure. Like we do dance, we do sing, <laughs> we do entertain, we and we are of good course. at it. So if you yeah. have somebody that does it. That's really good at it. Like, yeah. do it. Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, just don't make somebody that that is articulate or somebody that that wants to be something else. Don't don't turn. Like, I was awful roles to like to be a gangster. What I look like being a gangster on TV. Mm-hmm. I, I'm the type of person that I feel like if if you're given a role, you also have to be able to look the part, do the part, and be able to convince the, uh, somebody in that role in real life that you're you you are that person. Right. Like, if I played a cop on T, if I played a cop for wrestling and a real cop turned on the TV, they would be like, this dude is not a cop. Like, you know what I'm saying? No, I, and I feel it. like the same way if somebody tried to give me like a gangster role, uh, a gangster would turn on TV and be like, he's not a gangster. Like I'm, I'm turned off. Like, you know what I'm saying? And so you got the new day that comes in, man. And they're basically like, they're, they're nerds, but like they're cool nerds. Like, you know what I'm saying? No, of course. And, 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 and everybody, and it's like, and, it, and they don't, but it showed me that like, you know, somebody that looks like me, we're admitting we do everything. We, and you're allowing us to do it, and everybody embraced it because it was. I think they were the faction that the world saw as like, "Hey, 
we all do this. Right. I, I can relate. I play video games. I do this. I do that, and it was cool. Mm-hmm. You know. So I think it was it was a it was a ground break breaking faction to me. Um, I think the new day was. Uh, of course. Yeah, I, I I think that, and um, man, what what's the faction? Um, I can't think of the faction name right now, but it, it was Shelton Benjamin, Cedric Alexander, Bobby Lashley. Oh, the um, the hurt business. The hurt. I think the hurt business was so good they had to break it up, <laughs> and that's the thing. It was so good they, they were. had that was a bruh, good faction. The hurt business is freaking. Tag team champions, world champion, and U.S. champions—they're the—they're the freaking modern day horsemen. Period. You know what? That's a good call. They—that they, is exactly what they were. They were the modern day horsemen. Yep. They—they couldn't. They—it's like, how do we? They were so powerful, but anyway, they had—they had Cedric Alexander as the the the, the rookie. Yep. That was like going to be the evolution. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And they had the seasoned athletes, and they had the unstoppable guy, and they had the mind behind it. Like freaking uh, MVP was freaking freaking Ric Flair and JJ Dillon. Dillon right? one. I know. Like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> like, are you, I'm serious, man. Like, <laughs> they had to break them up. They were too powerful. That's the only. That's the only oh way they God. can tell me they broke the hurt business up because their jokers were like. It was you could you would put them up against people and be like whatever, <laughs> like you know what I'm saying. Uh, I uh, and you got me thinking about factions now. I respect um, mm-hmm. what's what's the faction that the Usos and and uh, oh the, oh my God now it's oh, wow. brothers the blood or, oh the bloodline the bloodline there you go I, shit <laughs> I'm not a huge fan. Of the bloodline, okay, but I respect it because of the bloodline of like the Samoan dynasty. Sure. If you look at the Samoan dynasty and how they were treated, and they were always respected through WWE, but that's now true. they are respected to a whole nother level, right? And I think that's I think it's like a, a payoff. Um, and mm. so I, I I may not I'm not a huge <laughs> fan of the bloodline, sure, but I'm a huge fan of the legacy and the payoff of that legacy that allows the bloodline to be what it is yeah no kidding and to me uh, there's so many things that make a good faction and like you said you nailed it on like the horsemen have the perfect template like you have your enforcer you have your brains you have your talker you have the up-and-comer like you know that's like the perfect four or five that you need to come but then you have on the flip side and i think you need both of these like in all honesty because me i go back to like the attitude era like with the job squad and the oddities and stuff like that I love comedy and wrestling when it's done right. And certain factions could pull it off beautifully. But then it's like you're on this slippy slope type of thing. And it's like, how far can you take that where either you have to disband eventually or do you try and make them serious? Like, do you know what I mean? And I think that's yeah. the problem with these sort of comedy acts nowadays. I think that's what happened with D-Generation X. But go ahead. Ah. Yeah. These comedy acts, like, is there a perfect way to finish the so-called storyline? Because, and then again, going back, like, you don't want to be pigeonholed into just being a comedic wrestler. Like, the one I always go back to is someone like Eric Young, who did it masterfully, and then got out of it, became a serious one, then could also be a tech, like, the man has, like, people talk about Mick Foley having so many faces. To me, it's Eric Young who has the most faces in wrestling, to tell you the truth. I think, I think uh, most faces in wrestling for me would be Jericho. Oh, that's a good one, too. I think Jericho has been in this sport 
for probably 30, more than 30 years, if you mm. think about and has found a way to change, to transition himself, to morph himself just a little bit <laughs> and recreate himself just a little bit every time he reintroduces himself to be the same Chris Jericho, but just different enough to transcend into the current times. Mm, yeah. And like, I, I think he's a genius, man. Like, real talk, he's a freaking genius. Like, it's his mind to be able to come up with, in my head, some of the things like La Champion and all, the corniest thing in the world to me. Like, I couldn't pull that off. Like, you know what I'm saying? I but know. with him, not everybody in the world saying it. Like, you know, he's a heel with the coolest song in the world. I know. So can't help but sing. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, he to me, he him, he, to me, it's Chris Jericho. It's, it's the Undertaker than Chris Jericho. Oh, Undertaker's another good one. Yeah. I think, I think the Undertaker is the only person that has ever been able to stay at the top and change just a little bit, stay in who he is, stay at the top. Uh, never jump, never jump brand, never did any of that stuff. And stayed up there and changed himself, recreate just just a little bit of himself to make himself transcends with the time. But the Undertaker was always ahead of his time, you know. But never got lost time. Like the, like like I feel the Road Warriors were ahead of their time, but when they got caught up, they got lost in time. You mm, get what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, but like the Undertaker never got lost in time. And neither did Chris Jericho. So to me, they're, they're geniuses. No, and it's so true. And again, if you look at it, like what would be the shelf life? If, if The Undertaker never became who he was, if you were just to throw this out there to anybody, what do you think the shelf life would be of a gimmick called The Undertaker? People would say, ah, a year or two tops. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I mean, they, look at all the other people they tried to make like The Undertaker. Look at the Eligantes. Look at the only person that can even come close. Uh, to the Undertaker would be Kane. Yep, that's no, true. That is the only. That's the only person that's Kane. But but Kane has always been Kane. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, he's the only person that, that that would even come come close to that. I think with Kane what was like Isaac Yankum or type deal. And then, yep, that's right. But, uh, but but yeah, I think he's the only person that <clears throat> I guess comparative to the Undertaker that was able to stay relevant. Um going against the Undertaker and staying character. However, the Undertaker has been around since like the eighties. Yep. As the Undertaker. Yeah, exactly. it was like ninety three or you know, eighty nine, ninety three uh, just transition from WCW to, mm-hmm. to WF and then he came to WWF as the Undertaker and and never changed. You know what I mean? Like he was like with me, Mark Callis or something and then Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah man. I go back, bro. No, so do I. Trust me. And it, and the thing that people don't appreciate of The Undertaker, now he's doing it because he's retired, but man never broke character. Like, he never did interviews. He would never do a podcast. Like, you know what I mean? And he was yeah. The Undertaker 24-7 until he yeah. got home. Like, you know what I mean? He, so he, he he was the definition of kayfabe. Right? <laughs> like, legit. Legit. And that's why he has so much respect, man. Like, yeah. Yeah, no kidding. And now going even back to Jericho, thinking of it, like the the genius of this man, like you said, to me, it's the confidence to pull it off. Obviously, you got to believe in it. But sometimes I honestly think, and I don't know, you being a wrestler yourself, I don't know if any of the boys have ever said this. Have you guys ever tried to like put anything out there 
like as a rib and then it actually catches and you're like, oh, watch, the crowd's going to eat this up type of shit. And because sometimes I think Jericho is just like, look, I could do anything and these guys are going to cheer for me, whatever I do. You know what I mean? He, he, he can't. He, Jericho is kind of <laughs> like, um, he's kind of like Michael Jackson. Mm. Like okay. He's kind of like Michael Jackson of pro wrestling that he, you could, you could, he could touch anything and somebody's going to bite it because of his name and because he believes it. Sure. And like he 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 has his own screen that he's not just gonna come out there with anything. He knows what that character like doing commentary with him. Mm-hmm. People say, "Oh, uh, Jericho shouldn't be on commentary. He's, he's terrible. He's just screaming." <laughs> Jericho's in character the whole time he's in commentary. Right. Like you get what I'm saying. People like, don't realize that. I know. Jericho is Jericho. <clears throat> Chris Jericho is Chris Jericho. Yeah. But Chris Jericho, while he's doing, you know, commentary uh, or whatever like that, he's he's in character. Mm-hmm. And he does commentary. He, he, he walks in the building as whatever he's doing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, it, to me, that's professional, man. He could talk just like I talk in commentary if he wanted to. Like, you know what I'm saying? Right, but, right. He, he, and, and, but he's getting the responses. You know what I'm saying? Of like, he's, he's a genius, man. He's, he's a genius. And he believes it. Like, he... Uh, but, but I have, I do have a story. Um, I, something worked with me that I did as a joke. It was at a house show in, 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 uh, Chicago. Okay. And, um, and it was during the time of the rebellion and I was getting ready to wrestle Jay Lethal and I was in the back, we were in the back just playing around (laughs) and I started singing this song, the Jive Turkey Shuffle. Oh no. I said, oh man, we're gonna we I'm gonna come out, man. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna do my theme song tonight. I said, I'm gonna say cut my music and I'm gonna okay. do the jab turkey shuffle. You know, and so I'm in the back just messing with the guys. So y'all gotta do the jab turkey shuffle. Right. And they were doing it, they were laughing about it, and it was like, oh my god, do sure. it. It was a house show. Okay. So like you kinda get 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 away with it, you know what I mean? Of course. And so and so uh I go out there and I do this jab turkey shuffle and that thing <laughs> caught on like wildfire the freaking jive turkey shuffle and like wow every once in a while somebody pulls that thing up man they come up to me and they start singing that <laughs> daggone song and i'm like how do you find this daggone jive turkey shuffle and like <laughs> the jive turkey shuffle it's the shuffle jive turkey shuffle and they like I, I thought it was the corniest thing but like it caught on <laughs> right it's it's funny what some things like it's to me, it's always funny when you're like 100% positive. You're like, this is going to break it. That's it. It's going to make me so fucking over. And then it's a dud. And then you're like, oh, I'm going to throw this out there. And it's like the biggest thing to ever happen. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's, uh, I could definitely relate to that. But I don't I don't believe that. Uh, I don't think Jericho has. Being around Jericho as much as I have now. Right. I, he's the type of person that throws anything out there that he isn't believing. Oh. Well, it's true. Yeah, I, I believe I when he puts that. it out there, he 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 believe he believes it more than anybody else, and like, and I believe because he believes it, everybody else joins on to it. You know what I mean? No, of course. And again, it it does show in and what he does every and, time he get goes down there to the ring. That, I mean, that goes back even to grade school, man. I the older I got, and even now, I I realized mm-hmm. that there were kids that were, were, grew up in poverty, you know, but. But when they got to school, they were the cool kids, you know, sure. and they found a way to be cool in poverty, you know, even like, you know, um, holes in their clothes and different right. things like that to where they made it cool. You know what I'm saying? 
And, and it's kind of like they made it cool because of the confidence they had in themselves. And, and it's a confidence that you have. It's, it's a charisma that if you, either you have it or you don't. And, and Jericho has it. No, I ain't putting this cat over, sure. man. I'm supposed to be mad at this dude. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You're speaking to a Canadian, so it's all good. <laughs> oh, my God. No, and, and another thing you have to have charisma and confidence in is, like, hosting your own show segments, a la, like, how you did with, of course, uh, Coleman's Pulpit. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm a huge fan of these type of shows. Like, again, going old school, the barbershop, the funeral parlor. Yeah. Like, all that yeah. shit. That's, like, again, that's embedded in my memory of wrestling. Like, you know what I mean? So, Absolutely. What made you want to host your own show, and was it always this rendition of what eventually came out and you aired on Ring of Honor? Um, it was the idea. Um, basically, when they broke up the rebellion, the reason why they broke up the rebellion is because they wanted to do something with. Um, they had an, an idea, I think, with Shane, with Shane, okay, or, or something that they wanted to do. Um, and so they had to break us up to to, to run that, or. or Oh, I think no, no. I think it was Kenny. Kenny had got put on The Bachelor. Oh, gotcha. Okay. That, and and because Kenny had got put on The Bachelor, he needed time off to do that. And then when he came back, they didn't know it was really popular, so they wanted to do some stuff with him. Sure. So of they, had, they had to disband us uh, or whatever. And so when they were just throwing out ideas, and they said um, every every part. That I played in Ring of Honor, whether it was tagging with Cedric, was Rebellion, or on my own, somehow I was always the mouthpiece. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. And so they said, uh, Caprice, we we need a talk show and we want you to host it. And and they said, um, we don't have a name, we don't know, we just know you're hmm. the one to do it. Okay. I think the last talk show they had was the Fish Tank with Bobby. Oh Spade, Bobby wow, Spade. really? That's how far and in Bobby, between? Yeah, and Bobby Fish was gone. Shit. Okay. And, wanted to talk show and i told them i said hey um before before they offered it to me i said we need something to to show what i wanted to do with ring of honor is i wanted to i wanted to have time to show what separates these athletes from each other because i felt we were in a place to where we're definitely the sport of professional wrestling Mm -hmm. uh, but not to the point to where everybody just looked like the same athletes doing the same things, you gotcha. know? Yeah, yeah. And I like, man, if we had a segment that just showed what separated everybody character wise, mm-hmm. you know, the way they thought, the way they did this, the way they, the way they moved, the way they calculated, you know, what, what makes them mad, what makes them tick, you know, <laughs> sure. uh, what, what, what kind of hobbies or whatever, if we had something like that, right. I believe fans would be more drawn in into it. And I believe they heard it, but it was kind of like, okay, but then, then they when they then they pitched the same thing to me, and so basically what I did with uh, Coleman's pulpit is I wanted it to be a segment to where I could pull out of these athletes what makes them different than the rest of the athletes on the card. Gotcha. You know, that was my goal, and um, of course we inter- inter- intertwined storylines sure. and stuff in there. But but my goal was to make to pull out every pull out the personalities of the wrestlers uh so so when they're performing different people can relate you know to them no of course so when did the announcing start were you already doing color before this or was this after and was this the lead-in to be being an announcer i have no idea when that started oh shit okay (laughs) i i I never was like i want to be an announcer uh it it was 
what happened was, um, like I said, during during different feuds and stuff that I was in, and different people that I'd be representing, mm-hmm. I would get put on commentary with different, you know, for different segments. You know, when I was feuding against somebody, or when somebody I was representing was feuding against somebody. Gotcha. And the producers were always like, "Man, you're really good at commentary." It was mm-hmm. like there's something about your voice that has a hum to it. It has a you're easy to listen to, and right. I don't hear it. You know what I mean? <laughs> of course, we never do. I'm just like, okay, cool. You know, it's like, <laughs> they'll try you out on commentary or whatever. And I'm grateful because I was able to learn on the job. Like, you know what I mean? And, and Kevin, Kevin Kelly, Steve Carino, they kind of like took me under their wings okay. um, and, and would like give me opportunity after opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then like, then came um, Coke Cabana uh, right. or whatever. And then uh, Ian Riccoboni, mm-hmm. you know, and I was just put in here and there. I was just put in spots. Like, you know what I mean? And there was a time where I thought, man, they just trying to find something to do with me before they kicked me out the door. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, you never know. It's true. You know, you don't, you don't know. This This is a sport where you don't know what's happening next. You know? Exactly. And, and so I was like, man, you know, and so I, I was trying it, and they were like, man, you're really good. And I thought it was, a, I really thought I was, it was a real. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, there was a part of me that thought, like, I was so bad at this thing. Right. That, that it's getting over because I'm that bad. Like, you know what I'm <laughs> I, I thought I was part of a rib. I really did. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to work this freaking rib until they, they, have, they have to tell me it's a rib. You know what I mean? That's hilarious. And um, and then just it just time went on. And I really fell in love. What made me fall in love with commentary okay. is, is the issues that I had with commentary. Oh. And the issues that I had with commentary, not just Ring of Honor, but period. Okay. You know, that I would, I would be watching wrestling or I would wrestle uh-huh. and say I would get hurt in the match. Okay. And I would I would get hurt and and I would go back and watch the match to see where I got hurt or something like that. Sure. And I would I would li- watch the match and listening to it, mm-hmm. most of the time the commentators were just talking about something way not even about the match. Right, right. You would have you know somebody putting themselves over or saying why they wouldn't do this and why they're better than that or just making fun of the people in the ring or just belittling up. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, in my head, it always got to me because I'm like, you know, when these athletes are in the ring, they're literally putting their lives on the line. Right. You, know, you say wrestling's an entertainer, but I know people that have died in that ring. I know people that have broken their back in the ring, broken their neck in the ring. I've stayed in, ho- in, in hospital rooms with people. I've kept people awake at night not to fall asleep because of concussions. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I've seen life changes happen in that ring yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? so i feel if i'm talking uh if i'm commentating a match it's my job to talk about i don't know the match you know right? what i'm saying makes sense the, the <laughs> athletes that are in the ring that are literally putting their lives on on the line uh to entertain these people you know because wrestling's already looked at as it's looked at as entertainment but they don't they don't see uh what really comes behind, you know, this this performance and this and this this thing that we do right. that really hurts people. And I mean, I'm, I'm 45 years old, and by the grace of God, I have my right mind. I don't have any, you know, real injuries. Of course, I got nagging types, you know, stuff sure. that any athlete will have. Mm-hmm. But they're athletes whose lives will forever change. You, you go to a a WrestleCon or something like that, and you yeah. see these guys before us. The that, that paved the way for us, and they're broken. I know. They're, they're broken in half. 
It's hard. You know, and 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 and, and forgotten about. You That's know? the other and thing so, I know. And so I'm like, why why would I belittle somebody that had that that has made it enough to be able to entertain somebody and get paid to do it inside of a ring? And so that that was my uh, my gripe with commentary. And so when I would be on commentary, it was hard for me to do what Jericho does. Mm. How he's able to stay in character and sure. be be who he is. I I could not stay in character. I would, I would it would be a, even if I was against the person that was wrestling, I was still talking about what they were doing inside the ring. I still made it about them. Um, it just, it's just, it's just how I feel about the sport. You know what I mean? And, um, and that's just been my stick. And, and over time, I feel that's what the athletes uh, started to appreciate in me because they would come back to me and say, Hey, I really appreciate mm. you put me over in that match. And it's like, bro, I'm not putting nobody over. I'm just talking about what I'm seeing there in the know. ring. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and um and they're like oh well you don't talk about yourself you don't put yourself over like <laughs> if I'm consistent I'll get over like you know what I'm saying yeah it's not a, not about me when I'm when Thank it, you. It, it's me doing my job and my job is to talk about to paint the picture about what's going on in the ring if I'm doing color commentating I see it as a coloring book I see play by play as the coloring book and I see me as the cop the crayons you know what I'm saying and and that's and that's what I do. I paint the picture. I put the colors in. That's all. Okay, so what's the hardest thing about calling a match when you first started that you just couldn't get a hang of or that you kept screwing up over and over again? Names. Oh, <laughs> okay. That's a I good one. I mess them up now. I get yours right because you're written. I'd be calling you the podcast if you were wrestling. I'd be, hey, <laughs> I mean, Steve. I mean, Steve with a V or is it really Steve? I, well, I mess it up. It's names, man, because it's like... Uh, I like that one, yeah. It's, it's, it's names because, you know, you uh, it's easy to mess up a name. Sure. You course. know, I think that's what people sitting at TV, you know, watching TV, they hear one mistake. That, oh, he said this, or somebody, you know, they, they call out people. Oh, he said this wrong. Sure. You're having a conversation. You're going to say something wrong. You're going to say a name wrong. You're going to... It's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? It I think the happen. hardest thing is to think you got a name right and you're saying it wrong. You know, right. That's 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 probably the, the the hardest thing ever is to think you have a name right and you're repeatedly saying it wrong. That's that's probably the hardest thing. Yeah, no, and a perfect example is even now in AEW with Soraya and the whole Soraya incident. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where she had to put everyone straight, and it and it's so true. And it's like, I, it's I don't know if it's embarrassing or if it's whatever it is, but it's so true when you're so confident saying someone's name and there it's like you're saying it wrong. Like, come on. Yeah. But I think the problem is not knowing you're saying it wrong because if, if you're yeah, saying it wrong, that's true. That's the thing, but then it's like it's, it's human error. Like you hear a name or you see a name. And then you start talking or whatever, and you, you don't hear yourself saying it wrong True. Uh, until you hear somebody say it right. And then you're like, and a lot of times it's halfway through a match or the match is over with, and you walk away like, when this airs, I'm going to be the stupidest person in the world. You know, and it's just, it's just, it just is what it is. And like, um, I, I think we, we live in a world now where fans look for mistakes because right. everybody wants to be the writer. Everybody wants to be promoted. Mistakes instead of enjoying the product. And so they're, they're quick to point out what's wrong and what they would have fixed. 
Mm-hmm. But then you talk to them, and they they talk that they got peanut butter stuck in their mouth. So. <laughs> I know, right? So you, you, you got these fans, so so and so put on weight, or so she mm-hmm. she doesn't look the way she used to look, and then you click on their profile, and they got three <laughs> stomachs. It's like what you, you know, what I'm saying we people people want what they don't have. You know what I'm saying? It's so or, true. Or parent, they they want people to be something that they can't even be. You know, yeah. so. Uh, it's I don't know. It's they find ways to nitpick stuff, and and it, the funny the reason why I can say that is because I've been around where people see that stuff and it really hurts their oh, feeling. Gotcha. Yeah. Get, you know they're, they're watching this person on TV, so I guess in their head this person is a star, right? And and reach a certain level, they don't have feelings anymore. <laughs> but then you know they do have feelings, and you see these 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 gorgeous females walking around with personality issues because now everybody's calling them ugly and they think they're ugly and they're trying to change themselves to be beautiful to somebody that's not beautiful. Right. You know, so you're trying to become attracted to somebody that's probably never had a date. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, I get it. So, I don't know. I don't want to say too much because I don't know what you're going to clip and make me famous, bro. <laughs> no, don't worry. I won't do you dirty like that. No worries at all. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so quickly before we get into the worst story of the week then. So when did you find out that you were coming back to ROH or did you even know you were going to come back at all? Um, oh, man, that's the story. Uh, okay. When we did the first pay-per-view, uh, I think it was Super Card of Honor or whatever pay-per-view was the conglomerate for AEW, the first conglomerate with AEW, I think it was Super Card of Honor. Okay. I wasn't booked to be on that. Oh. Um, Rick Abani was booked to be on that. Okay. And, and um, he was pitched different color commentators um, that wasn't me. And I mean some good names. Oh, shit. Okay, okay. Uh Rick Abani stuck up for me, man. And oh, I'll nice. tell the world, I don't care what anybody says, like, that's my brother. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and like, for real. And I, I'm not just saying, like, oh, that's my brother, high five or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's like, he, he is, like, over the years, he has proven himself to me on multiple occasions that he has my back and I have his. And it's like, it's, it's uh, he stuck up for me in, in times where he didn't have to. You know what I mean? And, and his thing was, hey, let's just give Caprice Coleman a chance. Just give him an opportunity. And so Supercard of Honor was like my tryout for AEW. Mm, okay. You know what I mean? Gotcha. And, and Rick Abani and I, we just went in there and, and did us. We of did course. what we normally And it, it caught on. It was like, well, dang, who's Caprice Coleman? Like, you know what I'm saying? And But, like, it, it took that for them to see, like, wow, you know, he, he, he does have something. You know, and... um. And then it kind of made me feel, it made me feel some kind of way, like it took that. But then what really made me feel confident in what I have is is when Ring of Honor broke up and I had to like fend on my own at AEW and the opportunities that I got. And then a response from like fans writing in like, wow, Caprice Coleman is awesome. And seeing that, you know, that I'm great with Rick Abani, but I can also stand on my own. Mm-hmm. Because Rick Bonnie could definitely stand on his own, but it made me see that the gifts that God has given me, that I could stand alone on commentary or in the ring or producing or whatever I'm given, you know, um, that I can do. And the years that I put in the sport is not in vain, you know. And so um, 
in those aspects, man, I, I it made me respect um, respect that and grateful to have the call from AEW that uh, that I'm part of the team going forward. No, that's awesome. And even again, everyone talks about the Forbidden Door and everything and all this stuff. Like, and even in your instance, you get to wrestle for NWA and you get to be on AWTV calling ROH matches. Who would have thought of this even a year ago? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I th- yeah, it's a blessing, man, because uh, with Ring of Honor, I, I was doing commentary for so long. I never, like, quote-unquote, retired from wrestling or whatever. Right. It, it's, I was under an exclusive contract with Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. and they were me for commentary. Right. So I couldn't go anywhere else. And then Ring of Honor, uh, was before the pandemic, wanted to do a uh, past versus present mm-hmm. um, thing. They wanted to bring me in as part of the past team. Right. And I said, hey, man, I would love to do it. I said, but I've been in a, under exclusive contract and I can't wrestle anywhere else. So I don't want to be in the Ring of Honor ring the first time I've been in the ring and be rusty. Like You know what I'm saying? Of course. I, can I go have some indies back home, pick a couple of indies back home to kind of get my get my gears going again? And they allowed mm-hmm. it. And when they allowed it, man, it, it really just started rolling from there because That's awesome. I started back at a training school and, and then I was offered a job at the training school that I was training at, mm-hmm. you know, like trying to get back in shape. And it was like, man, you know, would you be a coach here? And I was like, sure. And, um, and then landing a job there and, and falling in love with the new generation of wrestling and then and falling in love, realizing that, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still capable of doing this at a very high level. And so I don't want to just do commentary. Like as long as I'm allowed to be able to do this, as long as, you know, I, I can still perform. Sure. I don't want to be one of those guys that's like, oh, bless his heart. Here he comes. Look at him. Oh, bless his heart. Bless sure. his heart. No, I don't want to be one of those. I want, yeah. I want to be able to perform as long as I can perform at a high level. I want to do it, you know. And um, and when I'm when I'm not able to perform at a high level, when I'm not able to do it, and my body doesn't hold up anymore. I thank God that I have a transition already in place to right. where I can just do that. But I'm not at that place to where I feel that you know um, that career, my career ring wise is over because by the grace of God, man, I'm. I'm in phenomenal shape. Um, mm-hmm. I'm healthy. I have my right mind. I don't have any injuries. God has been good to me, you know, and that's why they call me the ageless one is because, you right. know, I don't the, I look like what I've been through. <laughs> I know. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. And that's a blessing, man. I, it's, it's, I can't act like it's something I did, man. It's a blessing. It's good jeans or whatever. Like, I don't really wear jeans a lot. I wear khakis. So, I <laughs> so I just take it as it comes. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Ready for the worst story of the week, my friend? Yeah, let's go with it. All right. Do you have any pets, actually? I do not. Are you? Are you? Do you enjoy pets? Do you like dogs, cats? Uh I like dogs. I like cats. I'm not a huge fan of cats. Okay. Just I believe cats at night, man, are like <laughs> ferocious animals. That like, I'm serious, man. Okay. You, you just, you ever see the cat videos at night where the cat at night turns into a tiger, basically? They I know, go, They leave true. the house, and they're, they're killing birds and all that <laughs> stuff. And then they come back. They find their way back in the house in the morning, like, meow, meow. <laughs> and then you walk outside, and you see these dead birds and all this oh. stuff laying around, and the cat's walking beside you, like, I don't know how they got there. It's like, <laughs> cats are crucial, man. It's like, no, they are. cat can do what he want to do, man. Dog, a, a dog is like, 
it's basically like having a kid. I think the dog's uh, mentality goes up to like a an eight year old, and so call, there's yeah. a part of where you know you can you could tell what the dog is thinking. You could tell yeah. you know mouth laughing if he's hiding himself or if he's ashamed if he's happy. Like I think that's so cool, man. You know, so yeah, I, I um don't have a dog right now, but um there's a part of me that wants a dog that I could just run with and do stuff like that yeah okay so okay don't do this what i'm gonna say about this story because uh, first don't have your dog sleep in your bed all right first off so oh, no i'm oh, sorry that I, my ahead. wife sleeps in my bed oh, tenth of all you know i, I don't i'm not no okay uh, good no. Go ahead. okay so you won't have this problem okay so good uh, so this week's story comes from the uk where a woman was hospitalized for a few days because she actually caught a virus from her dog. Do you care to guess how this dog passed the virus onto her owner? Uh, did she get Karufa virus? No, what'd she get? <laughs> okay, well, I don't know the exact virus, but... So, okay, I'll, I'll rewind. Let's start the story. So, the woman fell asleep in her bed, and this little chihuahua always liked to sleep with her. So, one night during... While the dog had the virus... She shat right into her owner's mouth while she was sleeping. I mean, that, that sounds weird, but basically it's just you holding on to the dog and you're breathing in and some of that hair gets in your mouth. Well, it, I mean, it isn't, it, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like you, you're holding the dog up to your neck or your chest and you're breathing, you know, and your mouth is, they, they say that the, the average human eats eight spiders in their lifetime. Yeah, I've heard that. Fa- yeah, but okay, but being woken up to the taste and the look of having shit on your face, like I oh, think. Look, oh, look, you're saying you're saying doo doo or, or or hair? No crap, feces. What, hey, did you say crap? What word did you use? Shat. The dog shat on her owner. Oh, you're saying. See, it's it's the what you threw me off, bro. I thought you said shed, like shed. Oh like, shed. <laughs> yeah, I thought you said shed. It was, see, it was your accent. You kind of hit me with a French Canadian. <laughs> You know, in America, we say shit. You, you talk about shat, shat. I don't know what Well, shat, shat is past tense. Like, if I'm shitting, that's current. But if I shat, that means I shitted. Oh, okay. it, it sounded like an A in there somewhere, man. Got, I was like, oh, people, people shat all the time. I shat in my bed, I'm sure. With, with my skin, that's why we change the covers, you know. When you that's change, hilarious. When you change... Uh, bed sheets it has shad all over it because we shed the bed weighs 10 pounds more because all the shad we do oh my god you learned learned something new today that's disgusting what work now can you imagine well okay well here's the Here's here's the best part. So th- to me, okay, that's already that's not really weird. To me, that's gross. Here's the actual weird part. So speaking of today's generation, so on her way to the washroom to you know obviously clean everything off her face, she looked at herself in the mirror and actually thought that this was a good idea and proceeded to take pictures and then post them on social fucking media, right? No, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> The, the way you drew that out, I thought she was going to say she rubbed it in her face because she thought it would be good for her skin. That would be weird, too. To package it and sell people moisturizer, <laughs> moisturizer. I don't know what. 
That's no, a good name. Weird. That's a good I, name. That's a reflection of the world we live in today, man, where right? everybody show, you know, stuff. And we're talking about it now because of that, though. Oh, yeah, well, it's true. She still got her two seconds of fame, I guess. Right? Yeah, but we're talking, we're talking about it now. Crazy thing is, man, she's going to be somewhere. They're going to be like, that's the, that's the shed lady. <laughs> <laughs> she has shit all over her, man. She, <laughs> shit. They're going to be like, really? Everybody sheds? And like, no, that's not what he's saying. That's good. <laughs> Oh shit! That's it. I'm gonna get T-shirts made up. I shed on you. Yeah. <laughs> with the little uh, doo doo emoji with the you smiley face. You already announced that you had all these shirts sale on your uh, on your link below. So on the link below, you also have a shirt. There you go. That's awesome. Well, Caprice, right. thank you, my friend, for joining me today. It's been a blast. Plug your stuff. Anything you want to promote? Socials, upcoming shows. I don't know. I actually lost my Facebook page. Uh, oh, no. Recently. It got hacked or something, man. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, I'm on Twitter now. And so uh, rock with me on Twitter, at Caprice Coleman. And um, I stay in touch with you, man. We got so many things coming up uh, that I'm proud of. And um, keep showing love, man. And I love this sport. If you're doing something, go all out with it. Make the best of it. And um, that's the advice I would give anybody that's trying to do something, man. Stay with it. Be serious about it. Believe in it. Because if you don't believe in it, nobody else is going to believe it for you. That is true. That's awesome. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finger Styles. You can follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest, even if it's shed at the podcast app at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show. Support those fine sponsors because it helps them almost definitely helps me out. And most importantly, please, each and every week, if you haven't done so already, rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. Okay, one last question before I let you go, since we've been talking about this man throughout the show. Which former Ring of Honor champ would you like Jericho to face in the future? Danielson was my oh. one I wanted to face. Yeah. Um, it really was. Um, yeah. I mean, I, Kevin Steen. Ooh, that's a good one. If that could happen. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin Steen. Bring him back because they have their history too, right? So. Yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, like Danielson was my... Oh man, I, I know it'd be good. Uh, Davy Richards would be a good one. Ooh, and they could actually that'd possibly do really, that with the relationship with Impact. Yeah, that'd be really good. Um, There's a good one. I think I would. I would love to see Matt Taven. Oh, and just because Matt Taven's an entertainer. <clears throat> yes, that's another I good show. Talking segments in there. Mm-hmm. Good. Um. You know, Matt Hardy's a former Ring of Honor champion. Ah, good call, too. Yeah, yeah, I think Matt Hardy could, could come in there, and it was like the rich Matt Hardy. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, because he wanted to buy Ring of Honor. Um, That's right. But, uh, let's see. I would like to see Jay Lethal. You know what? It's true. I don't be. I mean, that would like, be a great match. I, I, I would think it would be a ridiculously good match with Jay Lethal. Mm-hmm. Um, I could definitely. In my that. head, I mean, I want to face Chris Jericho, but I'm not a former champion. Um, but he's he's knocking around my people, man. He's knocking around Bobby Cruz and 
talking about he's going to beat all the announcers and all this stuff there. I'm like, Jericho touched me, man. Make my wish come true. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I, I would love to do it. I would like to say Chris Jericho and Shane Taylor. I would, man, there's so many, so many people I would put up against Chris Jericho, man. I, I wish I could walk in as a manager that just seeks out people to beat Chris Jericho. That's a good thing, yes. I would love, yeah, so... Mm. Oh, that's awesome. I'll, I'll throw in one myself, just because <clears throat> he's a friend of the show and he's a personal friend as well, PCO, just because of the Canadian connection. Heck yeah! Right? That joke was insane, man. I did a, uh, I did a uh, Pacquiao chip or something with him. Okay. The hottest chip challenge. Okay, yeah, yeah. And he, like, no-sold it the whole time. Like, people were that's dying. Around. We had, like, four funerals. <laughs> and he, like, he was no-selling it. He just... Literally, we was rolling coffins out and everything. Oh, my you God. Know, yeah, and he just no-sold the whole thing, man. I honestly think he does, just doesn't feel pain. I don't think it's a gimmick anymore, honestly. I think that, yeah. I, I, right? I, I, there's a truth to it to where, I mean, even as an athlete with me, um, my oh. body's to the point to where I've been really sick and not known it because of the pain tolerance that you build up in wrestling. Sure. You know, because... People say, oh, it's entertainment, but you don't realize the, the stuff that we go through, the pain that we go through. Right. We tolerate a lot of pain. And the reason why I know we tolerate a lot of pain is because um, I went through something with my doctor or something, and I had to take, I think, a pain pill or something. And for the first time in my life, I, I was pain-free. And I didn't know I was pain-free mm. because I didn't realize how much pain I was walking in until gotcha. I was relieved from the pain. Yeah, that makes sense. And it was like, I, it was like for the first time in over 20 years, I felt my body with no pain. Hmm. And I was like, wow. I felt like Crazy. I was like levitating. Like, and I was walking. <laughs> just you're laughing, but any athlete can understand that. Like, the of first, course. when you feel pain free for the first time, like going to a chiropractor and getting your back popped or, or hanging like from an inversion table. And standing up, that feeling you get is like no other. And you don't even realize how much pain you're in. You were in until you're relieved of it. You know, and, and what it would affect me in is my personality. I would be short with people. And, and people would think I was grumpy, but I wasn't grumpy. I was just in a lot of pain, but I didn't know it. You know what I mean? No, of course. <clears throat> of course. Toleration levels were really low. And that's where a lot of people, they get in trouble. They get seen, a lot of wrestlers and fighters and athletes get seen in public places. They're like, oh, this person's being yeah. a jerk. And they don't realize that 90% of these people are walking around in pain. And then 90% right. of these people can't even walk out there, go use the bathroom or, or go to a restaurant without someone hovering over their food, wanting a picture taken. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So it's like, and they don't, but they don't get that part recorded. They only get the part recorded when the person's being a jerk. You know what I mean? So, I see all of it, man. No, I could only imagine. I could only imagine. Again, thank you very much, Caprice. Really appreciate it. If listeners like this, please support wrestling, support Ring of Honor, support the show. I've had former stars that we've talked about. I've had Kenny King on the show. I've had Shane Taylor on the show. PCO, Khan from the Embassy and Gates of Agony. Even Kerry Silkin's been on the show. So, go check out those old episodes. Thank you once again. On that note, he's Caprice. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.